So over the next three prayer meetings, we're going to be going looking at one of Jesus' most famous stories, the story of the lost son, or the prodigal son, which I just read to you. And we're going to break it down into three, because we've got three weeks together, um, and look at the three different characters in this story. Stories are powerful. They help us to process truth. They help us to think. They help us to place ourselves and understand ourselves. Jesus is and always was the ultimate storyteller. When you read the Gospels, you see that. He, he told stories to help people, to warn people, to reveal to them who he was and, and who they were. And we see the context for this story, we just read together, is the beginning of verse of chapter 15 there of Luke, in verse 1 and 2, where he says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around, gathering around him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You see, when we see verse 1 and 2 there, it helps us to realize the point that Jesus is making, or the points he's making in this story. He knows his audience. And the truth is, uh, the truth that he speaks to them Sorry, it's the same truth, actually, that he speaks to us. We are those same people, as it were. This is the context of the passage that we're going to be looking at, which I just read. And, and my prayer is that as we read this story together, that you'll see who Jesus is and be able to place yourself in his story and those that you care about. And I want you to hear what God is saying to you this evening and over the next few weeks, whether you're young or whether you're old, older, sorry, Nigel, uh, whether you're relatively new or whether you've been here in this church all your, all your life, Nigel was just telling me he's been here 50 years almost, so whether that's you or you knew it, Jesus has something to say to you tonight and over the next few weeks, so we're going to look at this younger son together, he's in those verses 11 to 19, isn't it? the younger son he turns to his father and he says, give me my inheritance now. The money that should be coming to me when you're dead, I want it now. Give me my share of the estate. I know you're not dead yet, but I kind of wish you were. I don't want you or this family. I just want what I can get from you. Now this son treats his dad with utter contempt. He can't stand his house rules and his authority anymore. He just wants his independence. He wants to do what he wants, when he wants, and where he wants. Maybe you can re relate to that. You see, you don't normally get your inheritance until someone is dead. And to demand it now shows nothing but contempt. You know, imagine if your grandchildren said to you, right, we're going to sell your house um, so we can take the money and you're going to have to go live in a box. You know, it's that kind of contempt, that kind of attitude. Well, so what? Why is Jesus telling us this in this story? You see, in the story, the contempt that the younger son shows for the father reflects the contempt that we and so many people, all of the human race actually, show to the heavenly father. That's the heart of all our sin and all our problems is that we, we wish that God was dead. A Puritan pastor called Ralph Venin says that sin is mankind trying to kill God. 
He calls it deicide. You know, like homicide is killing a human, homo sapien, and killing a man is matricide, like the matriarch. So sin is the act in our feeble and wicked hearts of committing deicide, of killing God, wishing that he was dead, wanting him out of the picture. That's our sinful nature. To worship the created and not the creator. We, we want stuff from God, even if we don't maybe frame it that way. But we, we want stuff from God, but we don't want God. We just show contempt for him. That's us. That's the human race. That's the youngest son. All of us in the same way, in some way or at some time. We resent God's rule and we resist his authority. We want to do things our way. We want our independence. And that was Adam and Eve's downfall, wasn't it? In Genesis 3. They wanted to make the rules and not follow the rules. They rebelled against God's loving rule, fracturing their place at God's side, and, and they brought death and disease and decay and destruction on themselves, all of us, and our world, isn't it? And just like our ancient parents, we too, like that younger son, lots of ways wish that God was dead so that we could do the things that we want to do, do things our way. We all run away from God. There are times when we run away from his fatherly love and his heavenly rule, where we look to the world and all that it offers for comfort instead of running to our Father in heaven. But as you read these verses, this, this rebellion, this course of action that the younger son takes, our running away his running away, has consequences. The son takes what he can, get from the father, and without looking back, he just travels far, far away, isn't it? And he, he lives it up. Wild living. You know, uh, all his wealth on wine and women and song, partying and the like. But as anyone who's lived that kind of lifestyle will tell you, if they're being honest, the good times don't last, do they? The son, his, his money runs out, isn't it? Famine hits and his so-called new friends, they suddenly disappear. He finds himself alone, bankrupt, without any friends, selling himself into slavery. He had big plans. He had a big idea, but it came to nothing. His selfishness and his rebellion has led him far away from home. And the younger son, the younger son, found himself at rock bottom. Once the proud, noble son of a noble man, he sold himself into slavery. And he's reduced to starving, not even, not even being able to steal the food from the pigs, from the swine. Totally broke, totally lost, totally unclean. Just how far he's fallen. He had it all, you know. A bit like Prince Harry, isn't it? Like the biggest house in the country, isn't it? Buckingham Palace. Well, Windsor Castle's probably bigger. Anyway, whatever. You know, like he got everything and now he's all gone. He's, that's how far he's fallen, this son. I can just imagine Jesus is telling this story to this crowd of people gathered around, like it says in verse 1 and 2, isn't it? And, and surrounded by the drunks and the thieves and, and the debt collectors and, and the prostitutes and they're all, they're all nodding. They all recognize this story. Many of them have probably traveled far from home and and they're living lives of shame and sin, surviving, doing what they can just to get by. And many of us are, are, are the same, or at least 
no people who are, isn't there? Sin has ravaged us. It's taken us much further than we ever thought it would. We promised ourselves that we'd, or, or we'd believe lies, that we would be happy. That it would be a good time. That this will, if we do things our way, it will be the best way. But it's cost us everything. Our lives, they're not what we thought they would be. And we find that rather than being free and independent people, we're slaves to sin. Slaves to our habits, to our lusts, to our anger. We've sold ourselves a piece at a time just to try and feel alive, just to prove a point. But we just feel dead inside. And Satan, the father of lies, the Bible says, you know, the father of all the lies that we willingly believe, he's promised us so much, hasn't he? It looks so good. It was so tempting and comforting. It promised much, but it delivered so very little. He promised us life, but he paid in death. He promised us joy, but he's paid us in pain. He promised us freedom, but he's paid us in slavery. For all our desire to be in charge and, and be independent from our Heavenly Father, we're out of control and we're slave to a different master. The truth is our stories are not what they th- we thought they would be. And that, maybe if you're still in school and you haven't had a chance to, to run away from God in that spectacular way yet, just realise that all the dreams and ambitions you have, you think, do you know what, that's what I want to be, I want things to be different. They won't be, what, if you believe the lies of the devil, they, they won't come true. The story won't be what you think it will be. Uh, there's a good friend of mine, I used, to, uh, I used to work with him as a doorman, and I really like him, but he's done some very terrible things. He's not a very nice person in lots of ways. He's nice to you if you're nice to him, but he's done lots of terrible things in his life. And uh, he had a, a friend growing up, um, we call him Peter. He was even more of a nutter and a psycho and a scumbag than he was. And he and Peter committed an armed robbery. And before they went in, they phoned their friend for a lift. Said, can you pick us up from, so- from this place? And... So the, their other friend came and picked them up, not knowing what they were about to do or what they'd done when he picked them up. And they just jumped in the car and he, he said, drive, and he sped off. And he took them to uh, Tesco car park and he said, right, get out, get in the back. And my mate took over and started driving and took off and was driving like an absolute maniac around Swansea, trying to get away um, from the police, over speed bumps and and ramming into things, crashing, colliding. And the owner of the car, this poor friend that they duped into helping them, was helpless and petrified, just being carried along. He was out, he was out of control. He didn't really know where he was going or, or understanding, how did I get here? You know, the car being battered about and abused. They got away from the police and, uh, that day, but the owner of the car, as well as this guy Peter, got caught and went to prison. My friend got away with it. But our lives can sometimes feel like that. That we're passengers to our own destruction. We've, we've, having given the keys over to someone else, we've sold ourselves into slavery. We've believed the lies of Satan and we're out of control on a crash course to eternal, eternal captivity and punishment. 
Sin always takes you further than you want to go. And it keeps you there longer than you want to stay. The Bible says, he who sins is a slave to sin. You think, oh, it won't matter, no one will notice. Oh, it's just this one time, or, it's, not, it's not a big deal, or what people don't know won't hurt them. But before you know it, you've believed lies, and you've given the keys to the, the car of your life, as it were, over to someone else. And you're out of control. And you're in trouble. And that's where we're at without Jesus. Each one of us is a slave to sin. That's where our friends and our family and our loved ones are at without Jesus. Some of them, some of us know it and feel it and, and everyone else knows it too. They, they know they're, 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 they're the family member that people don't talk about at family gatherings. But then some of the other, other, others, of, others of us have got, seem like we've got everything together. We've got all the stuff the world promises and it looks good on the outside. But on the inside, we're slaves to bitterness and envy to hatred. You know, we, but the thing is, we willingly open the door and we let him in and we hand the keys to our lives over to him, but not, not comprehending the destruction he'll bring upon us and our lives and the people we care about. And when that's us, and when that's our loved one's situation, that's the story we tell ourselves, that this is who we are. Maybe it's who we'll always be. We'll always be a victim of our bad choices, of other people's neglect, of our sin or the sins of others. The younger son in the story, he found no help, no mercy. He was stuck in a cruel world. His life was in the hands of people who didn't care about him and only wanted to use him. And the truth is that outside of Jesus and his family, the church, you won't find any real help. Our loved ones, our, our neighbours, our colleagues, our, our grandchildren won't find any real hope outside of Jesus and his church. Because our and their real poverty is a spiritual poverty. Yours and their real hunger is a hunger for righteousness. Your, their real problem isn't the rubbish heap of their lives, or your rubbish, rubbish heap of your life. It's that we aren't where we're supposed to be. They're not where they're supposed to be. They're cut off from God, from the Heavenly Father. The Bible says that there's a God-shaped hole in all our hearts. And God has placed eternity in our hearts. And, and we long for it. And, and we look for it. But so often, people look for it in the wrong place, don't they? The one who owns you, who made you, hasn't got you. And the one who's got you doesn't own you and doesn't care for you. So where's the hope? Why is Jesus telling this story to the crowd here while they're sharing this story with you? Well, because thankfully, the story doesn't end there. And the truth is, your story and the story of the people that you care about doesn't have to end there either. I went to watch the film uh, Matilda, the musical, this Christmas with, uh, with Emma and my girls and my, and my dad and my stepmom. And it was our youngest Edie first trip to the cinema and she absolutely... Loved it. She went to the toilet about a million times and ate her own way in popcorn, but she loved it. And um, it was lush. And the film was amazing. If you haven't watched it, find some children to take with you so you feel a bit better about yourself. And go and watch it. Honestly, it's 10 out of 10. I'd recommend it. You need to go and see it. Uh, it's a really powerful film. 
And in the story of Matilda, based on the Roald Dahl book, maybe you know, I don't know, but you have a, a neglected little girl who's been born into a, a dreadful family with selfish and uncaring parents. And, and the school she goes to is run by a tyrannical bully um, called Miss Trunchbull. But Matilda, through her incredible intellect and these kind of supernatural powers, she manages, manages to change her story. And spoiler alert, it all works out well in the end. All right? And, it, and the film has such a strong message about the need and the power of changing your story. And uh, there's, a, there's one song that my kids have been singing for the next, last two months. It's been doing my head in. But I love it as well. The trouble is, when, I, when you're watching the film, like that film, like, you know, I was kind of, I was inspired. Like, oh yeah, I need to change my story. Life doesn't have to be like this. We can do something about it. And it kind of gives you a half sense of, of hope that changing your story is possible. But I was kind of left with a sense of, well, it's all right for Matilda. It's easy for Matilda. She had superpowers. If only we all had superpowers to change our stories and, and the stories of others, you know, the people we care about, then, then we'd be all right, wouldn't we? The younger son may well have sat there in pig filth and thought, do you know what, this is it. This is what I've become. This is who I am now. But thankfully, Jesus carries the story on, isn't it? And here tonight, just like those original hearers of Jesus' story, we are offered hope, and there is hope for the people we care about. Because the younger son, the lost son, comes to his senses. There is someone he can turn to to change his story. He's not alone. He, he doesn't have to put himself up by his bootstraps. There is someone that he can go, someone he can turn to. And the same is true for you and for your loved ones, and your neighbours and your colleagues. Because with Jesus, there is always hope. Even if you've burned all your bridges, even if you've spent your life angry with God and running away from him as far as possible, or sort of slowly edging away from him in your heart, even if you've exhausted yourself in wild living and your life has literally just turned to pig poo, there is hope for you today. There's hope for anyone today whose life is like that. The same hope for everyone who is lost. Everyone who will come to their senses. Because while we don't have superpowers like Matilda, we do know someone who gives us his supernatural help, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in those who trust in him. And my prayer is that just like the son, that you will see that you can come to your senses and that the people we care about can come to their senses too as we pray for them. They can come home to the Lord where they belong, where you belong. You know, I want to encourage you to pray for the people you know who seem so far off that they too will come to their senses. That they can change their story and they can find their rightful place in his story. You can turn to Jesus today and let him change you and change your story, change your life. We can pray that he'll do that in others, that they will know their eternal destiny can be changed.
the younger son comes to his senses. He realizes that he's not only is in a real mess that he can't that he can't help himself out of, but there is hope and help to be found from his father, isn't there? Because so many of us hit rock bottom, but where do we go from there? He doesn't get it all right, which is quite refreshing, actually. He gets enough right to know where to go. He knows to go home to his dad. And if you've come to the end of yourself, or you've run out of patience and hope for people you care about, if you're in that place of despair, then don't be dismayed. Don't give in to that despair. You come home to God and pray that they will come home to God. You don't have, we don't have to have it all together. We don't know, have to know exactly where we've gone wrong. We just need to look to Jesus because he is our only hope. He is their only hope. And what a hope he is. The younger son had to swallow his pride to come home. And you might have to swallow your pride to come to God. In fact, you certainly have to, actually, the Bible says. But just like the younger son, you can change your story and the people we care about can change theirs. Maybe you're not certain about your place in the family of God tonight. But your story doesn't have to end there. There is help and there is hope in Jesus who lived and died and rose again to rescue you from yourself. You can pray, you can talk to God and ask him Change the story of even the most far off people, of, of all your friends, of all your family, of your neighbours, all of Thidak. They have the hope of the gospel. So let's pray that they would come to their senses and come home to God through Jesus. Maybe you've wandered far from God. Maybe you feel far from home tonight. You know you're a Christian, you know you belong to him, but you feel far off. Because you've wandered away. You've got lost in your, your sin and your selfishness. It's easy to do, isn't it? But tonight I want you to come to your senses and just come home to God and pray to him.